You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side studios, man. We got the local, the state, the national, all the issues covering down on it. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is fry. Yay! Hit it, boomer. <laughs> yeah, we made it. I need to through. make a better sound effect for this. We, I think, you know, <laughs> by the way, your new microphone sounds awesome. Oh, thanks. I mean, that's like, and you're, you're not even having to get up close to it. It's just like picking up everything you say in a silky smooth Ooh, voice. Ooh, silky and smooth. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, man. Thanks. Hey, uh, we got a great show lined up for you. I got a, I got a triple dipper that is as full of stuff. So let me, let me just jump right onto that. Boomer, go ahead and hit it. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right, the Triple Dipper. Three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. Number one, I'm picking up where I left off yesterday. I kid you not. That's the name of the section. I'm not saying it because like, I quit you not. I kid you not. That's the name of the section. The, the Dipper is called I Kid You Not because I kept looking through the stories of the day, resourcing the show, looking at how I wanted to style the show, and then... I kept finding these things, and they were woke, but yet they were not a woke world segment. Every single one of them is an official act of government. I thought, oh, man, yeah, I, I, kid you, I, I kid you not. This is going to, well, there's the name of the title or the name of the segment. So I kid you not. I've got a series of wokeisms and liberal pushbacks and push-is all related to official government action. I'll talk about that, number one, the Triple Dipper. I kid you not. Number two, law and culture. There's an old saying that uh, politics is downstream of culture, but then there's the law. I think the law is there to put a dam up to make sure that that culture does not always run away with the politics. And uh, so we're going to talk about some things that have happened in the law that are specifically, you can see it. You can see the, the political, the cultural, and then the law stepping in and saying, yeah, but here's the deal, and sort of clarifying the rights of the parties. And, and it's, it's pretty fascinating to me. So we'll talk about that. Number two of the Triple Dipper, law and culture. And then number three, remote control. That's what I'm calling it, remote control. So remote control, you know, the, the whole movement to uh, remote work has really ramped up in the last few years. The, the advent of COVID made it possible for more people to work from home or work remotely than ever have before. And I get it that some people work from home or work remotely, no matter what. You can have software engineers or whoever. But then there's this like movement right now to try and keep everybody at home. And it's developing this whole new cultural aspect of work that's generating new softwares like stuff called Bossware, which I'll tell you more about. But anyway, what happens when you're working from your house, but your boss is telling you what to do, and then they're spying on you at your house because otherwise they can't tell whether you're really working? It's a whole new dynamic. Remote control. That's number three on the Triple Dipper. We'll talk about it today. Um, but let me, let me jump over to my comments here. Um, now, listen, the, uh, the Department of Defense's naming convention has done their thing. 
All right, they've gone through, they met. I believe it was a foregone conclusion. Everybody knows what they were going to say before they even said it. So, yeah, we're going to be renaming a whole lot of bases and ships and uh, airstrips and whatever else. But um, was it necessary? Did it make us more lethal, more combat effective? Well, let me tell you, in 1986, while I was a young cadet working towards my commission as an Army officer, I had my first foray to a place that became like a second home in some ways. I can still remember driving through the gates of Fort Benning, Georgia for the first time in August of 1986 to attend the U.S. Army Airborne School, and three weeks later, departing again wearing the silver wings of a paratrooper. So I was hooked on that place, and in many ways I still am. Over the next three decades from that time, I came and went from Fort Benning, staying at first in the troop barracks, scrubbing the floors and the latrines to a high shine to pass inspection, and later on to the quads as a young lieutenant where I had my own room and felt like a real person, up to the point that I had a senior officer's billet and attended receptions at the beautiful antebellum house called Riverside, where every post commander has lived for the last hundred plus years. At Fort Benning, I have tramped through the woods, run the streets, jumped on the drop zone, sat in the classrooms, dined in the mess halls, and marched on the parade grounds. I have walked among the monuments to past paratroopers and rangers and infantrymen and marveled at what they must have gone through. I was trained there to become a paratrooper, a jump master, an infantry officer, a pathfinder, a ranger, and eventually I attended the battalion commander's pre-command course there just a few years before I retired. While at Benning, I was sworn into the Order of St. Maurice, and later in life I had the absolute unbelievable honor of going there again to pin paratrooper wings on my own son and to watch him graduate from his own basic officer's course. To say that Fort Benning has been a part of my life is an understatement, and you know what? In all the years of sweat and toil and learning and leading at Fort Benning, Georgia, I never once felt like it was an oppressive place because it had the name Benning. Now, I'm going to bet there's a bunch of you in this audience who have had Fort Benning in your life at some point, and like me, I'm going to, be that, uh, I'm going to guess that it's never crossed your mind that the name Benning came from a Confederate general. You know why? Because the Army's not racist, and no one who ever trained at Benning was oppressed by the name. But the powers that be are now of the belief that a part of what is making the U.S. Army miss its recruiting goals and potentially become less combat effective is that bases like Benning and Bragg and Rucker and others are misnamed in such a way as to be oppressive. General Jack Keane said on a recent interview that in all the years troops have trained at Benning that no one was ever impacted by the name because no one was there to focus on the name. No one even knew. But the Department of Defense Naming Commission is now well into its plans to spend millions of dollars to rename every street, post, base, monument, building, parade field, and latrine that may be connected to the name of someone who served in the Confederacy 150 years ago. Now, the history of Fort Benning alone is significant. Originally home to the major schools of the infantry, it was branched into Maneuver Warfare Center in 2011 when the Armor School was brought there. You cannot drive around Benning and not be awed by its history. From the mighty giant airborne towers, the statues, the monuments, and the streets named after famous battles, and knowing that men like Dwight Eisenhower and George C. Marshall and David Grange and William Westmoreland and Colin Powell and H.R. McMaster, David Petraeus, Michael Flynn, and so many others have all served or trained there. And I would be quick to guess that none of them ever went through Benning feeling as though they had been oppressed because of its name. I doubt that any man of any color served at Benning and became less efficient as a leader of troops because of its name. But the Biden administration, 
The same administration that proclaimed climate change as one of our key national security issues and forced the end of over 8,000 military careers for a COVID vaccine mandate has now determined it necessary to spend over $21 million to change names. Names that won't erase the legacy of Benning per se, but yet they will signify to generations to come that we must have had a problem that we really didn't have. You see, when cancel culture decides that we have a solution in need of a problem, you hear that, a solution in need of a problem? They will turn to the specter of racism as one of their pieces of low-hanging fruit, whether it really exists or not. The question that we must ask, though, is where does it end? I mean, do we need to take books off the shelves that discuss the history of the Confederacy? Do we need the National Park Service to close down the battlefield parks at Chancellorsville and Manassas and Richmond and Kennesaw, since, you know, those are parks on sites where the Confederacy won their battles? Is it time now for the state of Alabama to have to rename Lee County? Or to revisit the existence of the Port of Mobile since the Battle of Mobile Bay took place there? Or even close down the state capitol building in Montgomery since, after all, Jefferson Davis did stand on the steps there to be sworn in as president of the Confederacy? Well, the part of history that the Naming Commission has overlooked, maybe intentionally, is that the naming of Southern bases and Army posts using names of former Confederate officers was not to honor them so much as it was to extend an olive branch to the populace in the wake of the Reconstruction. Fort Benning was the first is, was first called Camp Benning. It was established in the era surrounding World War I at a time when there were still many survivors of the war between the states living there. The mobilizations of World War I, those were the first true homogenization of troops from all walks of life for a major military effort since the Civil War. And the War Department decided to show the populace in those areas that it was a new day, that there was grace and forgiveness. There was a moving forward together. And it was well-received, and for over 100 years, there's been no question, and Benning has been a hero factory, a hero factory, producing legends from all races, creeds, and colors who may have come into the Army and walked in the gates of Benning looking one way, but they all left Benning the same color of green, speaking the same language. I'll never forget my father, a career Army officer, himself. He told me once how proud he was that the Army was the first true melting pot of society where any person could rise through the ranks. So the same as I've never questioned the name of my high school, and yet I still graduated. Like many of you, I've never questioned the name Fort Benning in my mind, and yet I've been proud to have served there. It'll be renamed now. They're going to name it after one of my personal heroes, actually, Lieutenant General Hal Moore. You've heard of him. He was famous for the Battle of the Idrang Valley in Vietnam and the book We Were Soldiers Once and Young. And that's a good choice. But maybe I'm nostalgic or old-fashioned or just stuck in my ways. But it'll always be Fort Benning to me in my memories. The home of the Airborne and the infantry. Farewell to Fort Benning. And that's a wrap for the right side way. Yeah, I mean, where does it stop? I, I, I don't know where it stops. An article I pulled up this morning that came out today on Real Clear Defense says the, the naming commission does not intend to stop. They intend for this to be an ongoing process. They'll be on the hunt, constantly looking for that next street sign or statue that needs to be taken down. And I, I got to tell you, at some point, you have to recognize you can't just do it that way and expect for everybody to be okay because we were actually okay to begin with. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
And we're back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. Solid conservative and just plain right. Well, I think I hit a nerve. Um, so, yeah, Texas are blowing up. And uh, uh, we got uh, the text line. By the way, if you want to text or call in, 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. Um, I can't even keep up already. So um, Tony from Piedmont just texted in, and he, he says, he said, you've got it. It doesn't stop till we stop it. There's 10 forts named after Confederate soldiers. Um, yep, uh, it's, it's going to keep on going for a while. Um, yeah, Paul from Athens letting us know that the live stream, by the way, I'll, I'll just tell you right now, if the live stream's not working, feel free to text us because we're not always checking that, but boomers are usually really on it. And uh, we knew it. It's just a matter of we had to reboot, 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 reboot. And it then just took a couple times today. It just didn't like the shirt I was wearing. And so <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah. I brush my teeth and everything. And then the camera just won't work. Um, <laughs> uh, Chris from Gadsden, uh, he texted us. <laughs> By the way, I, I, I know Chris from Gadsden, so I'm taking this with a big fat grain of salt. He says, it's obvious your position of privilege has blinded you to the oppression of the military. <laughs> No. Um, anyway, um, and then uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Dustin from Hazel McGreen sent me a meme about President Biden. Okay. Sandy from Harvest says, uh, Colonel, you are so right. I feel our country is broken and maybe we're in the end times. Um, well, I don't know. I don't, you know, I heard my pastor say one time, he doesn't know what the end times look like, but he thinks they look a lot like what we're in. So if we are, uh, I know where I'm going. And uh, if you don't know where you're going, we'll be glad to talk to you. But um, uh, end times are going to get here one day, and I'm going to be ready when they do. Um, Kimball from Harvest points out Fort Benning. He says, General Patton was there, too. He says, I love Fort Benning. And once the names are changed, they won't go back. That history will be diminished, in his view. Brian from Huntsville says, the B-29 superfortress that dropped the first atom bomb was called the Enola Gay. When is the National Air and Space Administration going to be forced to rename her by the woke? Lord, who knows? Um, wow. Uh, Tom Graham. Great show. Thanks for your service. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that very much. Uh, John from Huntsville, uh, just checking to see how things are going to be like. We're, we're planning on being here all week next week, John. Um, and what else? I saw another one. Um, Jenny from Decatur texted in about the situation that I talked about yesterday uh, in Alabama, Perry County, where the chair of the county commission was just indicted for vote fraud, uh, for stuffing ballots and harvesting ballots. And he's lashing out. He's calling everybody names. It's all political witch hunt. Um, never mind the fact that he appeared to be stuffing the ballot box for his cousin who was running for DA. <laughs> anyway, um, Jenny from Decatur has a family member who works in that area. I won't say where, uh, but who said that it's just he basically said it's, it's ridiculous down there and said, said nothing will come of, come of it. He won't serve a day. Um, so there's that. And there's, there's some more that I can't. She also says, uh, Oh, and she has some, I see, she's got a family member who's um, just accepted Christ going to the same church that Boomer and I do, Church of the Highlands. That's awesome. That is good news. Thank you for sharing that, Jenny. Uh, Scott from Somerville, uh, do you think the classified document scandal could ever possibly end in a Nixon-style resignation to avoid impeachment? Um, I don't, um, unless it's couched in the terms of, He's got another health condition or something else happening, and they make it look like it really wasn't a scandal. It was just a chance for him to retire. Um, so I don't know, Scott. I'm not sure where it's going yet, but it, it is just – it's just it's just messy. It's ridiculous, and it's a classic sign of overplaying your hand 
And better be careful because it might bounce back on bounce back on you, and it has. So yeah, if you're uh, if you're tracking <laughs> President Biden, they after after excoriating Trump last fall and having the DOJ raid Mar-a-Lago and finding documents that he had already told them were there and were locked in a basement um, at their request, the Secret Service and the Archives request, and the Secret Service guarding the facility, they came in, the FBI did, and raided. Uh, Mar-a-Lago and seized uh, uh, classified documents, 300 of them, I believe. And, you know, there's talk about what there's a special counsel appointed for that now. What's going to happen to Trump? I don't know. Now, all of a sudden, we find out that just 40 days later-ish, um, they found classified documents in Biden's former office at the Penn Biden Center that carried top secret SCI classifications. And then they found another batch in a box in his garage next to his Corvette. <laughs> You can't, you can't. Gas-powered Corvette. Oh, by the way, a fossil fuel-burning, <laughs> carbon-emitting, you know, non-green energy. He's going to have to have that thing converted to electricity. Can you do that? Can you? I don't know. Can you, can you actually convert it? I, you know, at this point, you, we should make him. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, at this point, we should demand. That that beautiful kind of olive green, I think it is, or or or, or blackish green, sixty seven Corvette, be converted to uh, EV status. Mm. 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 Ah, it would just serve him right, you know. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, all all that to say, uh, no, Scott, I don't see a, I don't see it coming yet, but uh, we'll 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 see what else. TL from Huntsville just said, uh, great comments. This is what Marxists usually do, delete history and rewrite it to their own liking. Uh, yeah, I agree. John from Brownsboro, if you refuse to acknowledge the history, then you're doomed to repeat it. And you go, um, gosh, I mean, the text line's blowing up, Boomer. Dan from Rogersville, how we change the names back when we're in control in D.C.? You know, the problem is, Dan, I, I don't think we will. I mean, I think I think there's once it's done, it's done. I think it's going to be done. Um and then uh, Jason from Huntsville said, Biden's Corvette runs on regular gasoline, not even unleaded. <laughs> uh, and then Dustin from Hazel Green says, numerous companies make electric conversions. Lots of EV hot rods now. Chevrolet just leaked their all-wheel drive EV Corvette this week. Yeah, but it ain't near as awesome. All right. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. You guys stay tuned. We'll come right back with I Kid You Not. conservative just plain right And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. I'm talking covering down on some ground across the northern part of the great state of Alabama, like way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, all thrown in just for good measure. 
Uh, Boomer, I cannot keep up with that text line, man. It is just going bananas. Oh, I know. It's kind of crazy how many texts we just had coming in. I, I think I think part of it is uh, there's a whole lot of folks that have a Fort Benning connection. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at just, wow. Like, here's one. Uh, Jamie from Hartzell, appreciate you. My father was a career Army uh, lieutenant colonel. He raised four kids who were born in Japan, Fort Benning in Germany, and Fort Rucker. He passed in 2008, buried at Arlington National with my mother. He was one of the generations that participated in World War II, Korea, and Vietnam. A true warrior with a silver star with two oak leaf cut. Wow. Uh, two oak leaf cluster. I mean, three silver stars. Bronze star, a purple heart with an oak leaf cluster, and less than 90 days in Korea at the onset of the war. I would hate to see what he would have to say about the mess we have today. Some of my favorite times growing up were living on Miller Loop at Fort Benning. I know where Miller Loop is. Um, Jamie, uh, thank you for that. And thank you for your family's service uh, more than you could possibly know. Um, all right, listen. Number one of the Triple Dipper. I had this one yesterday. John from Huntsville gives me grief because I don't always get all my dippers done. That's because some of the dippers are so good, you got to stick with them for a bit. We're just going to work. Th- In fact, Boomer John from Huntsville said uh, the other day, um, he suggested that I might do mini dippers once in a while. Like, <laughs> little mini dippers. Little mini dippers. Like maybe like, it's like buying a batch of donut holes. You know, you just, you, you just little snack bites. I'll just little do snack bites. Big uh, dipper, little dipper. <laughs> yeah. Or, or a half dozen. I was, I'll, I'll bring in a baker's dozen of, of dippers. Just do <laughs> baker's. I like that. A baker's dozen. Anyway, for today, I'm sticking with a triple dipper. Um, so n- number one on the triple dipper, I'm calling it I kid you not, because that was the sense that I had. As I was resourcing the show, going through everything, I'm looking at these series of stories and realizing, ooh, that's woke. I may be building a woke world here. No. Hmm. Something similar. Oh, every one of these deals with an official government action. And that sort of changed the perspective for me. Because you look at it and go, well, that's stupid. Why would somebody do that? Oh, that's ridiculous. Why would they do that? It's an official government action. I kid you not. And that's where I got the name. So yeah, sometimes I name these things a little euphemistically, and this is an example. Um, here, here's the first one. And you know, some of these, by the way, are going to be like the usual woke world segments where you hear it and you think, all right, that one's just funny. That one makes me, uh, that one makes me mad. This one makes me roll my eyes. This one makes me want to throw something at the radio. Um, but uh, so first story out the gate, a little more serious, a little more in depth, sort of a sign of where we are. The party divisions on abortion, um, it's pretty striking when you get down to it. Like, why is life so controversial? Why? I, I'll never forget being in Montgomery and hearing one of my colleagues from the other side of the aisle going to the, 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 the well of the Senate and in the, in, in the protest of a pro-life bill, literally saying, I stand here to represent all women in Alabama. And my thought was, no, you don't. You don't represent my wife, my daughter, uh, any number of friends or family that I have that I know don't believe that way. You know, why is life so controversial? Why does life, why does a vote for life come down to a party line vote? Well, that's what happened in D.C. this week. So the new Congress, the 118th, is now seated. Uh, we, of course, have the Republicans have finally selected um, uh, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, they went through all the machinations to do that last week. Um, and they're off and running. I mean, they've been dropping some bills that are meaningful. And we know they won't get through the Senate, but that's not their job. Their job is not to do everything the Senate wants or will pass. Their job is to pass things they believe their constituents sent them there to pass, one of which is dealing with pro-life legislation. So 
This very week, storyline from Fox News here dated January 11th, that'd be two days ago, the 210 Democrats voted against a bill requiring medical care for babies born alive after an abortion attempt. Keep in mind what I just said. The bill was not designed to stop abortion. It doesn't limit abortion in any way. If a state has the uh, uh, abortion uh, on demand or abortion in part in their, their state laws, nothing about this affects that. What this bill said was, if a baby is born alive, though, if the procedure results in a child uh, laying on the table, then the doctors shall, not a may, shall provide life-saving care and treat them because they now have all the rights that any other living person on earth would have. And yet uh, it died on a party line, or it actually passed on a purely party line vote. So nearly every House Democrat on Wednesday voted against legislation that would require immediate medical attention for babies who are born alive after an attempt was made to abort them. The House passed it, the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act, which says that any infant born alive after an attempted abortion is a, quote, legal person for all purposes under the laws of the United States. Doctors would then be required to care for those infants as reasonably diligent and conscientious healthcare practitioners. Um, and it says that uh, failing to do so could result in fines or even imprisonment for up to five years. Well, of course, the Democrats, they railed against it. Like, how dare you tell us to save a baby? Well, the, the baby's on the table. The baby's sitting there living in the, in the OR. Why would you not? Are you are you that so are you that so embedded in your culture of death that you cannot recognize that what just happened is that a baby was born and you chose to let it that's infanticide at that point. So Jim Jordan said uh, infants born alive following an abortion they're kids they're children all newborns deserve the same level of care. Nevertheless it says Democrats overwhelmingly rejected the bill some like Jerry Nadler oh my gosh. Jerry Nadler, uh, the troll from New York, he argued the bill would set up new requirements that would, quote, directly interfere with the doctor's medical judgment. The judgment to let a baby die? Um, Hakeem Jeffries, House Minority Leader from New York, accused Republicans of bringing up the bill, quote, as a part of your march to criminalize abortion care. First of all, abortion and care shouldn't necessarily go together. And don't, by the way, uh, consider that, you know, the child is maybe alive. Anyway, this is where it went. So, yeah, I kid you not. Uh, Democrats voted entirely in mass as a party. I take it back. There was one Democrat. One Democrat voted for the bill, Representative Henry, Henry Quaylar of Texas, who has showed up on several issues. He's a, he's a very, you know, pro-secure-the-border guy, uh, a Democrat. Anyway, Representative Henry Quaylar voted for it. No other Democrats voted for that bill. It passed anyway. Wow. Kid you not. All right. Um, Tony from Piedmont just texted in and said, that's called evil. Yes, I would agree. Yes, sir. Um, next story I got. Changing gears. All right. You may recall that the president made his first trip after two years to um, the southern border. Big doings. Boomer, you saw that, right? President Biden down there on the border? Oh, yeah, I saw it. And, yeah, 
He just, you know, hobbling along. <laughs> just, just doing his thing. Just doing his thing. They cleaned the streets up in El Paso, by the way, to make sure there were no uh, um, uh, encampments uh, oh, on the street I'm, for him to see. I'm sure. Plenty of photo ops just to make sure it's looking nice for him. You know, and I, I guarantee you part of that was they did not want the chance that his motorcade would have a picture taken as it was driving past, um, you know, encampments of uh, homeless uh, migrants. <laughs> Gar- wow. Garon, Garon darn to you. Well, um, so he went down south, boom, you remember this, he went down south of the border for the summit with uh, the presidents of Canada and Mexico, right? Right. Um, did you, by any chance, see the comments, as the three of them stood at the podiums, and the comments that the Mexican president made in addressing our president? I actually did not. Is that what you have? I have that in my hot little hands. Ooh, the comment. I'm actually, I'm eager to hear this. <laughs> well, you look at it and think, okay. Uh, help a brother out, you know, Mexican president, <laughs> please say something that I can, you know, take home and go, that went well. <laughs> please. Well, you know, I look at it now and I think, was this, was this by design to be like sneaky? I'm going to hose you, Mr. President Biden. Or was it really meant as a compliment? Because what happened was Mexican, so the Epoch Times reports, and I saw the video, by the way. I saw the video, and I was, I was, I was literally like staring at the screen. I know I, I was like a hog looking at a wristwatch. I had my head cocked to the side and my mouth hanging open while I was trying to say to myself, did that just happen? Yeah. So Mexican President Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador has praised President Joe Biden for taking a stand against the U.S. border wall. He said, this is his comments, you, President Biden, You are the first president of the United States in a very long time that has not built even one meter of wall. I'm trying to figure out why this was supposed to be helpful, because I got news. What he did was he just wrote the script for a half a dozen or more campaign ads against Joe Biden if he decides to run again. Let me read that to you again. The president of Mexico standing in front of the press saying, You, President Biden, you are the first president of the United States in a very long time that has not built one meter of wall. And we thank you for that, sir. Although some might not like it, although conservatives don't like it. (laughs) He he, he He literally said, and conservatives won't like it, which is like saying, hey, uh, Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, here's you a sound clip you can use in all your commercials. That's what just happened. He went on to talk about the, the regulation of the migration situations and asking Biden to insist that Congress do something to regularize the migration situations of millions of Mexicans who have been living in the United States. That's some gall. So first of all, sir, you're doing nothing. You're doing nothing. You, you preside over a virtual failed state, a fragile state at the very least, but if, if not a failed state in some places, where murder is the order of the day and political terrorism and corruption is just rampant. And you've got streams of people, millions passing through your borders to get to our borders without doing a thing to help. And then you have the gall to ask the American president to do more to fix your American immigration laws. That's, that's a step beyond, man. You can't, I, I kid you not, you cannot make this stuff up. I kid you not. Uh, I got more. Like, um, had you heard that the uh, COVID pandemic is going to continue? Have you heard what Arkansas state legislature is doing about drag queen shows? 
Uh, or what is the uh, new governor, Katie Hobbs of Arizona, doing about illegal aliens going to college in her state? We'll talk about it after the break. When we go ahead and move us to a break, bro, we'll do that right now. We will take the break. We'll come right back. I'm in number one of the Triple Dipper. I kid you not. You can't make this stuff up, man. Wokeness coming through government action. We'll be right back. It's just, it is, I just find it, I find, I tweeted out a minute ago, I find deep irony in the fact that President Joe Biden's uh, hobby vehicle burns fossil fuels and it's also green. It's a oh, green Corvette. As it is a green Corvette. It is a green Corvette. <laughs> hey, uh, we're in number one of the Triple Dipper called I Kid You Not, but I've got a caller on the line that I'll jump over to. Is that Lee from Huntsville? Lee from Huntsville, how are you doing? I am doing well. Well, good. I love your bumper music, by the way. Maybe it's because I'm Gen X, but I love it. Oh, well, that, it's it's all like the Boomer and I sit here and talk, and a lot of it comes from things that I enjoy. So it just gets plugged in. So you and I must have the same <laughs> taste in music. Um, what's on your mind? Well, I wanted to say that uh, the first two uh, that you brought up under this segment really are tied together. So okay. The uh, the abortion issue, which, of course, their argument against it is ridiculous. And I thought Jerry Nadler, I couldn't believe he stood up and said what he did yeah. about how it might not be best for a child to go to the hospital. And I thought everyone else should lean far away from him so that the lightning strike doesn't get them. But um, the thing is, is it's ultimately about a complete lack of respect for life. Yeah. And I mean, in general. But, I mean, you look at the abortion issue and how they're like, well, it's okay. Let them just lay there and die. If, like uh, Northam said, you know, we'll keep the baby comfortable, uh, but then we'll just smother it with a pillow if the mom decides she doesn't want it. Um, or, you know, whatever, let it die cold on a sterile table. I mean, these people are really heartless. But look at Canada where they're offering, you know, hey, are you depressed or uh, disabled or just, you know, generally unhappy or in pain? Try euthanasia. You know, it's all the same thing. It's we don't care yeah. about you individually nor your life, which is what happens in socialist and communist countries. They care about a collective. They don't care about an individual. No, it's, it's, a, it's but, a great point. I did a monologue, I guess it's been two weeks ago, uh, and I called mm-hmm. it uh, Dehumanization is the Goal. And, it, and I, it, the, the story that yeah. sparked it for me was this, this whole trend right now to where you can take you know someone's remains and have it turned into potting soil so you can use it in your garden. And I thought that's just gross, but it also clearly indicates there's a lack of respect for life and for the sanctity of the human body, for that matter. And um, and and I, I likened it to what you just said, starting with the abortion era before they're even born, all the way up to the time they turn mama into potting soil. It it just indicates uh. that there's a there's a lack of respect for human life. And and it's, it's and if that's not soylent green, I don't oh, know what is. I, I mean, even said that. I even said that in the monologue. Uh-huh. I did. Yeah. 
gross. Soil and green is people. Yeah, like you want grandma in. <laughs> exactly. But uh, uh, also, but how you tie it into the border issue is, yeah. they don't care how people get there. They don't care if they die on the way or are yeah. raped or are, uh, you know, abused or just generally barely make it there breathing. It's just, you know, come on. Now, if you can get here, you can get here. And Mexico doesn't care. They mm. just don't want them to stay in their country. Yeah. They don't, they, they're they like, okay, you can come on through. We're going to provide you a conduit to get from here to there, but you're not staying here. And we don't want to take care of you. We're just going to provide you a way to get across our country. It would. Eat, it, Mexico has a very small border. I don't know if people understand that. With countries below them, they have a very small border yeah. that could easily be sealed off. They well, don't want to. They don't care. They, they, they don't want to because of they don't care. But then they also what they do care about is it's a billion dollar industry right now in, in Mexico. Yeah. The cartels are making bank on this level of human right. trafficking that we're seeing right now. Well, and the human trafficking and the trafficking of fentanyl across our border, yes. which is killing our children. I don't know if you heard this, but a, a security guard high by an outside company was arrested at Grissom High School for selling fentanyl in the parking lot. This no. is serious. This is local. Yes. That's my alma mater, this is by the way. It's serious, it's local. Oh, hmm? That's my alma mater. I graduated yeah. from Grissom. The, um, wow. So did I. So there you go. And I have a child in Grissom right now. This is serious. This is, could be my kid. You never think it could be your kid. It can be. Well, at least they caught so, the guy, and I'm glad of that. Um, but uh, Thank God. Well, you're right. I mean, I, th- I think you just nailed it. A-, a-, a part of what I'm looking at right here is there is just this view of life that it's a matter of convenience and not a matter of, you know, something being sacred. And, um, and, uh, and, and it's, it's, it, when it's inconvenient, then they are willing to get rid of it because it's just another commodity for them. Um, but, uh, wow. Useful theater. Yep. Hey, uh, thank you for calling in, Lee. We've missed you, but we got your uh, contact <laughs> information now. Yeah, I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to take the reins because you make it sound easy. <laughs> I know I don't know about that. <laughs> All right, Lee, you have a great no. day. Thanks for calling. So uh, that's that's another example of the fact that we have an amazing audience, Boomer. I'm just saying it's just it's just obvious that we got we got good folks. That, oh yeah. I mean, every time Lee and Sparky and Brian and you know and I you know we haven't heard from I haven't heard from um, uh, Wolverine either in a while. Oh, Wolverine Dan. Yeah. Uh, but um, but we got we got so and so many Je- Jeff from Indiana. They call in. I swear they could do this show. I know. I mean, I I sit here and opine, and then they call in and say things, and I'm thinking, I wish I thought to say it that way. <laughs> well, when I answered the phone just now with Lee, I hope I didn't uh, like scare because I was like, Oh, Lee, you're here. <laughs> I've been waiting for you to call. So you know. Uh, well, good enough. All right, the music is playing. That means the preacher's got to end the sermon. All right, we're coming up on the end of the first hour, which is unbelievable to me. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. You guys stay tuned. We will come right back. Side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.
Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams, here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national, sometimes even the international. We cover down on them, all of the issues, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, I'm sitting here in the studio, by the way, and this is this is almost this is almost funny. So Boomer is over here training Boomer Daddy to be his understudy. So Boomer Daddy is now the sous chef. In the uh, in the uh, in the studio, Boomer Daddy, how you doing? Oh man, Phil, <laughs> I am reeling over here. We're we're act, we're acting like we're actually going to let Boomer out of the studio one day. <laughs> I, I wish y'all could see. I, uh, it's going to be nuclear war here uh, in a couple of days. Whatever you do, don't press the red button. Oh, it's it's tempting me, man. Just don't press the red button. I mean, have you have you seen have you seen? Uh, uh, so, Boomer Daddy, I know you've seen. Uh, Men in Black. You're a movie guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Love Men in Black. Remember in the car, he says, whatever you do, don't touch the red button. (laughs) (laughs) My hand's going over there. Yeah. (laughs) By the way, if you touch the yellow button, Batman comes, just so you know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you made it even more tempting. (laughs) Oh. And if you pick up the red phone, we talk to Putin, and we we find to figure out what's going on. It's just it's amazing what happens in this studio. Oh my gosh! I'm looking at the text line. Uh, people are still on it. If you want to text in eight three three six eight seven four 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 eight. By the way, if you text in for the very first time, and, and do it. We got so many folks that text in. They they give me their comments. I read them on the air. Sometimes they've got great comments. Sometimes they send me jokes or just you know razz me about not finishing my triple dipper or whatever. But, uh, yeah, the number here, 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. That's the number. Um, I've been told to slow that down sometimes. So it's 833-687-4448. Boomer, I, I did my accent just so make sure that we got it all squared away. This, the, the nice slow accent? Yeah, the, the, the slow accent. The, all right. Yes, like it. Molasses. Exactly. <laughs> like I'm chewing it. Rita from Scottsboro, by the way, just texted in. Says, "Hi, Boomer Daddy. You're a star now, Boomer Daddy." Boomer. Thank you, Rita. <laughs> it's a family operation around here. Uh, John from Huntsville. 
Uh, he just texted in and says uh, he predicts that pretty soon the TV channel ABC is also known to be absolutely bat crazy. Is going to make the classic TV show The Rifleman, where instead of shooting a rifle, he confiscates them for every citizen in the town. I'm getting to a story that might sound something like that, John. So, uh, so thanks. Um, listen, uh, and, and Tony from Piedmont let me know he had to bug out and go take care of some family issues. So, Tony from Piedmont, have a good day, man. Appreciate you letting me know. Uh, John from Brownsboro says, it's Fry-Yay. We got to chime in. So, Boomer, I need you to show him where the Fry-Yay explosion and applause buttons are. So, we, it's Fry-Yay. Hit it. Yeah. Yeah. Fry-Yay. Hour two. Congratulations. You made it to the end. Now, wait a minute. Who pushed the button, Boomer or Boomer Daddy? I did it. <laughs> All right. So, now we got to do a test run. Boomer Daddy, I want an explosion. Hit it now. It was that was a that was a little that was a little bitty explosion. Well, what Boomer does boomers and you do firecrackers. I'm not sure what's happening over here. So, okay, let me get let me let me get back to what are you what are you about to say to me? Just I like firecrackers. This is just remember I know where you live. <laughs> Although he knows where I live too. All right, hey. Um, by the way, I'm in this uh, number one of the triple dipper. I kid you not. I kid you not. These are things that I looked at and I went, come on, really? I, this, this happened? It's an official government action? I kid you not. This one, by the way, this one is not like a, I mean, how to describe this? This is like a story that's not a story, but yet it's a story. There you go. Townhall.com, January 11th, two days ago, reports that uh, in an abuse of power, the Biden administration has once again extended the COVID public health emergency. Why would, why would they do this? Why would they do this? Well, I guarantee you they're doing it for a variety of reasons. Number one, it gives them special powers of spending. It gives them special executive authorities to do certain things. And it also gives them the ability to, um, to uh, you know, take certain health measures and try to restrict some controls upon people's lives or business lives. So, yeah, townhall.com. If you, if you weren't paying attention, by the way, because most of us are walking around without masks and moving on with life and doing stuff because, you know, life. Anyway, the COVID-19 public health emergency has been extended until April. April. The Biden administration announced Wednesday. Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra made the announcement through the renewal of determination that a public health emergency exists. And it gives all the dates they've been doing this. It says a spokesperson for HHS told CNBC that a 60-day notice would be given to states before any possible termination or expiration. There's a lot of official reasons why they need it. But the, the bottom line is, it ain't real. This is, this, is, this is where you get down to stupid. This is when you look at the stuff like, yeah, I kid you not. This is where you look at stuff and you think, you know what? Is your bureaucracy so deep that you can't just look at it and go, well, I need to do certain things. And without faking a public emergency, maybe I'll just say I need to do certain things. Or maybe I'll recognize that maybe I shouldn't do certain things. Or maybe I'll recognize that sometimes when government does nothing, it's better. Okay, different story. You ready? Moving on. Uh, next piece I got here. Arkansas bill. PJ Media reports that Arkansas's state legislature is aiming to classify drag shows as adult-oriented businesses. Hello! The fact that it's not is already a little bit concerning. 
But you look at it and go, well, good for you, state state legislature. I mean, I'm, I'm glad they're saying something, but story starts off and it says this. It says, what do you think of when you hear the words sexually oriented business or adult oriented business? Do you think of that bookstore in the seedy part of town, a nightclub with lurid lights and signs that say live nude girls? And then he goes, how about drag shows? Most conservatives, most conservatives, uh, probably would agree that drag shows should be adult-only events. And the Arkansas legislature now has a bill to limit the ages of drag show attendees. So, first of all, you look at it and go, why, why do we have to do this? Why? <laughs> it's a show where they dress up provocatively, they dance provocatively, they wear, you know, they wear literally, you know, Things that are supposed to make them almost cartoonish examples of, uh, uh, of, of, you know, sexual objects. And then they try to pretend that it wasn't ever intended to be an adult only. Well, so the state legislature is looking at changing that. Senate Bill 43 was dropped in. Uh, the bill would add drag performances to Arkansas's list of adult-oriented businesses as defined by the Arkansas Code. And specifically, the bill goes on to say that where these events can take place is important and also it notes that no such business can be located where a minor can view the activity or on public property. Um, I, I find this to be common sense, but I kid you not, it's a debate. It's a debate. It says the bill itself does not outlaw drug perform- drag performances, and that's, that's the point here. This is one of those things where you look at, okay, you start opposing this bill, what is your angle? If you don't want a bill that says you shouldn't dance sexually in front of children, then I have to ask, why not? If you want to dance sexually in front of grown, consulting adults, I can't stop you. You know, question your lifestyle, but okay. But if you want to do it in front of minors who are protected by law in a variety, keep in mind, we have laws that protect minors from this kind of thing, and yet when they do it in a drag show, it's okay? No. You don't expose children. You don't sexualize children. You don't, you, don't, you don't make lewd comments in public to children. You don't – so come on. So the bill itself does not outlaw drug, drag performances, according to PJ Media. So someone could continue to host a drag show, a drag brunch, a drag poker game, a drag shuffleboard tournament, whatever they want to do. Consenting adults are free to attend or participate in these events if they so desire. However, the bill would keep minors out of those venues. Drag queen story hours – are not specifically named because they're not necessarily dancing, but it still brings the question. It says, but the bill would bar kids from bars and restaurants where men in thongs shake their money makers over empty mimosa glasses in the heads of third graders. Mm. And then it asks the question, name for me, please, the benefits of taking a child to an event in which a grown, scantily clad man gyrates on stage to sexually charge music while the child gives them dollar bills. Because we've seen videos of that, right? And if there's, if there's anything that's just, you know, the kind of thing that deserves a little bit of wall-to-wall justice, it's the abuse of child a child. And, uh, and so, yeah, good on – I kid you not, this has to be legislated to make it happen because otherwise they're going to keep pushing the boundaries. I mean, it's like common sense does not apply, so let's just do what we want until someone finally says, we're going to stop you legally. It shouldn't have to be that way. We should not have to legislate that level of common sense morality. But apparently we do. And Arkansas is leading the way, and I'm glad of it. Um, 
Love to see that happen in Alabama. I think I'd be for that, Bill. Uh, tell you what, Boomer Daddy, I'm going to take a break. He's, he's, he's over there staring at all the buttons. Boomer, make sure he knows which button we're going to do. <laughs> Start taking me out to a break. We're going to come back and wrap this thing up when we get back. I got a few more of these I kid you nots. Like, what is Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs doing? Is she giving free college to illegal aliens? Yes. We'll tell you about it when we get back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. Bill Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Saving the world one soundbite at a time. John from Huntsville says, uh, hey, Boomer Daddy, you ought to make Boomer do 50 push-ups while you chow down on a delicious maple bacon donut. In case you didn't I've, know, by the I've way. I've already done my, my 50 push-ups. <laughs> he did, by the way. We both wound up getting stuck with it. You know about the, the, the bet we had, right? Yeah, and, and, and by the way, the official food of Right Side Radio is a maple bacon donut. Maple bacon donut. That's a lot of goodness on one little piece of bread right there. Um, that's, all, that's, that's, that's where Charlene would say, that's glorious. <laughs> um, all right, hey, I am back in uh, uh, number one of the Triple Dipper still. I kid you not, that's the name of this section. So just so you know, every single thing in this segment is what I might have lumped into a woke world segment, except that they were all official actions. And I kept reading it going, that's an official act of government. That's an official. I kid you not. That's an official act. And so that's how I got the title. And I just lumped them all together. Next thing I got here, Breitbart. Breitbart reports as of two days ago, Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs proposes $40 million in taxpayer money for illegal aliens to attend state universities. Yeah. I mean, okay, first of all, let's stop and think about the fact that she's a border state governor. Barely won her election. I, I still believe that uh, that election uh, needs to be, I mean, what was her name? Uh, last name Lake. I just forgot the name of the lady who was running for. Carrie? What's her name? Was it Carrie Lake? Oh, gosh. I cannot believe I've already forgotten her name. That's bad. But anyway, the reality is uh, we, we've got to – you got it, Boomer? Carrie Lake. Yeah, Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake. Okay. Um, but we've, we've, we've got to get that state back because the border states are having so much trouble. And now we're looking at Arizona's barely elected Governor Katie Hobbs is going to make her state more attractive to illegals. So as you're already wrestling with a border problem, as you're already looking at the fact that the federal government has not allowed them to build their own wall – uh, you, you've got now you've got the governor saying, and by the way, if you come here illegally, we'll send you to college for free. Well, I mean, why don't you just put some uh, cheese on that mousetrap and then, you know, lure them on in? 
In her inaugural address, Hobbs vowed to expand the Arizona Promise Scholarship Program, which helps low-income students to pay tuition and fees, while creating the, quote, Promise for Dreamers Scholarship Program that would cover all students, regardless of immigration status, who attend a public university. In effect, it says Hobbs' initiative would spend upwards of $40 million to help funnel illegal aliens into limited enrollment opportunities at state universities and colleges. An estimated 2,000 illegal aliens would benefit from the initiative every school year. Golly bum. And she's good with this. I mean, this is a selling point. Y'all come here, we'll pay for it. Who's paying for it? We're paying for it, Governor. Yeah, well, anyway, we'll pay for it. For American students in Arizona, the cost to attend college is pretty expensive. The average in-state tuition in Arizona is $4,500 annually, but it can go up to $20,000 when you consider things like books, supplies, room and board, all added on. So you're, you're looking at a significant expense that they're getting for free for coming here illegally because the governor dangled it out there in front of them like a carrot without a stick. Um, even more expensive for graduate degrees. So listen, I kid you not. That's an official policy being put in place uh, in Arizona. Um, here's a story from theblaze.com. Second Amendment, live free or die. Second Amendment, sheriffs across Illinois are refusing to enforce the state's gun ban, and the Democratic governor responds with a threat. I kid you not. So they just passed a, um, a law in, uh, in Illinois that I cannot help but think is going to go to court sometime soon. Numerous sheriffs across Illinois are refusing to enforce the state's new ban on semi-automatic weapons signed into law by Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker, who threatened those who dared to dissent. It says the law bans the sale, manufacture, and possession of semi-automatic weapons in the state. It's just, does he even understand what a semi-automatic, I mean, that's like most of the pistols that his police force carries, I would imagine. Uh, some sheriffs have now responded by saying they will refuse to enforce the law. Here's one of them, Sheriff uh, Nicholas Pettigo of, the, uh, of McDonald County. He says, part of my duties that I accepted upon being sworn into office was to protect the rights provided to all of us in the Constitution. And one of those enumerated rights is the right of the people to keep and bear arms under the Second Amendment. Therefore, as custodian of the jail and chief law enforcement official for McDonald County, Neither myself nor my office will be checking to ensure that lawful gun owners register their weapons with the state, nor will we be arresting or housing law-abiding individuals that have been charged solely with noncompliance of that act. Wow, that's strong. And not only that, 13 other sheriffs joined him. Well, Governor Pritzker responded by threatening them. He said, there are, of course, people who want to politically grandstand, who want to make a name for themselves by claiming they will not comply. But the reality, he says, is the state's police response for will, uh, as will all, hang on a second. The reality is the state's police's response will for enforcement, as will all law enforcement across the state, or they will do their job or they won't be in a job. In other words, he's threatening them with their jobs. The elected sheriffs of uh, various counties, 13 of them around the state, uh, saying they're not going to wind up prosecuting or arresting people, excuse me, or pursuing people for uh, violation of a law that they don't think should have ever been enacted in the first place. It's a dangerous, it's a dangerous place to be in. I kid you not. It's a dangerous place to be in. When the, when, the, when the liberal legislature wants to pass something that is obviously constitutionally derelict, then the sheriffs of the state are like, well, we swore to protect an oath, you know, or, or to protect and defend the, the, the U.S. Constitution. And here we are. And you got us between a rock and a hard place. 
All right. I kid you not. That's enough of that one. I had a couple more stories, but I'm going to move on to the next one. Law and culture. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. And we are back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right, covering some ground across the great state of Alabama, I'm talking about down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, all thrown in just for good measure. Um, phones are ringing, and uh, the text lines are open. If you want to text in, uh, you are welcome to it. Number here, 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. Jump over to the uh, uh, text lines here. Daryl from Huntsville says... Uh, who does the sheriff ultimately answer to? Please discuss that hierarchy. Well, it's an unusual circumstance, and it also depends upon your state law, Daryl. So, um, so yeah, the uh, the sheriffs in Alabama are actually uh, listed as constitutional officers, um, and so they have a, a different hierarchy. If one needs to be replaced, the governor actually does replace. We had one die recently here in the state, and uh, the governor appoints a successor for the interim of the term. Um but in some states, it could be different. Every state law is going to be unique unto itself. And uh, so I can't answer that question about Illinois. But uh, for the governor to make that threat, I would imagine that he has some of the same powers over constitutional officers that the, uh, the governor of Alabama has. Uh, so there's that. Um, Paul from Athens, just let me know. It is Carrie Lake. Thank you. Thank you. I had a, had a brain cramp. You know, what do you do? Uh, but um, Brian from Huntsville. 
Does anyone realize that Arkansas is now fighting against what their past governor did over the years? Um, I'm not sure what he's talking about there. Brian was saying, Arkansas is now fighting against what their past... I don't know what he's meaning. Is, do we have a drag queen governor in the past? I don't, I don't know what's happening. Um, but uh, Jim from Madison, how can drag queen shows not be the equivalent of blackface or minstrel shows for women? You know, I, I, I agree. Um, they, are, they are not just weird. They're not just, um, uh, you know, quasi-pornographic. Uh, but they're also demeaning of women. They are literally lampooning women. Think about it. When, when has it ever been okay for there to be this situation where you can just put on a show where you lampoon somebody. I mean, the whole thing, he's right. That's a great point, Jim from Madison. Great point. Blackface is no longer considered socially acceptable. And, and the idea that, that, that people would do that now is, is, is going to ruin a political career or something like that. Well, why is it that uh, a drag queen is somebody who can pretend to be a woman and and not only that, they don't, they don't just, like, put on clothes and try to look as womanly as possible. They become a complete caricature, an abnormal version of a woman with, with excessive, you know, body part exaggerations and, and bold and crazy hair. And it's just, you look at it and go, you're basically mocking women. Why is that okay? I, I don't know the answer to that, but uh, I do know the answer to that. It's not okay. How about that? There, I said it. I got a uh, caller on the line. Is that Jeff? Jeff from Indiana. How you doing today, brother? Good, Phil. Good. Hey, it's okay to lampoon people. I lampoon Democrats all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's a lot of fun, man. <laughs> you don't dress up like one and take pictures and dance on stage, do you? Well, I don't, I don't have my hippie clothes. And I don't have my greeny weeny stuff. And uh, no, I need to go scream at the sky maybe a little bit or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> What's on your mind today, but, man? Here you start bad-mouthing Illinois and guess where I'm at today. Are you in Illinois? I just come out of, I just come out of Saint, East St. Louis. <laughs> wow. Are you are you running a different yeah. route today or what? I had to take a trailer back to headquarters, which is in East St. Louis today. So, yeah, I didn't go south. I went, I went west instead of south. <laughs> well, I am, I am proud you kept Right Side Radio on hand. Well, of course. What else would I listen to? <laughs> there, you, there you go. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that uh, they've just uh, passed a law that says, you know, banning semi-automatic weapons, which is how many firearms are semi-automatic? Most of them. Uh, and yeah. and I, I don't know the details, but when you just say blanket semi-automatic weapons, that's pistols, that's long guns, that's hunting rifles, that's sporting rifles. Uh, there's semi-automatic shotguns, for that matter. I mean, where does it stop? I don't know. And uh, you got 13 well, sheriffs in Illinois saying, we're not enforcing this. Yeah, there needs to be a whole lot more than 13. Yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I, think they need to go, I think they need to go after everybody and then have a class action lawsuit against them for uh, denying them the Second Amendment, basically. Well, uh, <laughs> that's it, what they're trying to do. That, that's basically what will wind up happening. I feel certain this thing, if it's not already been challenged, and I haven't seen it yet, but if it's not already been challenged, it's going to be. Um, and it, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to wind up being, in essence, uh, considered – not a class action per se, but it's going to represent the uh, the rights of all citizens in the state of Illinois. But uh, when I first got into Illinois a while ago, I stopped at the rest area, and the only thing on the stupid doors was was a little sticker with a, a handgun with a cross to it and everything. And I kept thinking to myself, you know, if they can do that and put that on there and everything, 
I want to make some stickers up that's got somebody with their mouth covered up and everything, so we, you know, put that on there, so you don't have a First Amendment here as well, you know. I, I saw a, uh, <laughs> I saw a sticker on a door uh, at an official building one time, and it was designed to say, "Firearms absolutely um, uh, not allowed," and somebody had scratched out the "not," and it said, "Firearms are absolutely allowed." <laughs> um, well, they should be. I mean, it's a public building. I, I don't know, I, you know. You know, like I say, the Second Amendment, that's nothing to do with with guns. It's to, it's to do with uh, arms. Arms could be anything. Well, yeah. At, at what point is the uh, – <laughs> yeah. At what point is the uh, – uh, are they going to start outlawing vehicles because of people driving drunk or outlawing, I don't know, baseball bats because of people, you know, getting into uh, fights with them? Um, it just – Yeah, I mean, when a laser weapon becomes the, the weapon of choice, when guns are basically uh, – Obsolete? Are there, is people going to be able to carry laser weapons too? I mean, uh, you know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great point. Beam me up, Scotty. Um, That's right. Uh, all right, hey Jeff, appreciate you, man. Be safe. Have a good one, Phil. You too, buddy. Um, I'm moving to the next part of the triple dipper. Um, so, listen. There's there's times when they there's there's an old saying. Uh, in fact, I think it was actually Andrew Breitbart from Breitbart News that coined the phrase. Uh, he said, "Politics is downstream from culture." What does that mean? Uh, what he's basically saying is culture happens, politics reacts. It's not the other way around. So culture happens, politics reacts. Politics is downstream from culture. Sometimes politics reacts in opposition to culture. Sometimes politics reacts to try and support culture. Um, but politics is downstream from culture. I, I think that's a fair statement. Here's, here's my, my question. What happens, though? When there are clashes between politics and culture, what happens when the laws that have been passed create situations that put people between a rock and a hard place, kind of like those sheriffs? Those sheriffs say, listen, the law of the land is a Second Amendment. I don't care what you passed in the state capitol. I've been, I've been you know, in a position now where I can say I've been sworn to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. Well, okay. Now what? What happens when you have culture saying, we need change. We need more, name your fad. We need more transgender surgeries. We need more abortion. We need more green energy. We need more liberal blah, 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 blah. You just name it. What happens when culture demands that, but it conflicts with the laws or the laws have been enacted in such a way that it doesn't catch all the places where people are just stuck? Well, the law... The law, in my opinion, whereas politics is downstream from culture, I'm going to suggest to you that the law is designed to regulate the flow of what's going back and forth between politics and culture. Literally. The law is designed to, and I'm talking about the judicial aspect of law, the law is designed to regulate the flow. So, you know, you've seen so much happen. In the last, I feel like, by the way, I don't know about y'all, but I feel like it has ramped up in the last few years. Like, like there's almost this rabid sort of scratch and claw and get as much as you can from the progressive left. And it's, it's, it's like wokeism, if you want to call it that, progressivism, uh, and it's on every, every front. The cultural issues, the fiscal issues, they're spending more than they've ever spent. They're taxing more than they've ever taxed. The, the, you know, the, the transgender LGBTQ2IA plus whatever agenda 
has ramped up to new levels. The Green New Deal is ramped up. You've got ESG in banking and in finance uh, or in, uh, in insurance and in uh, portfolio management. You, you've got so much happening right now that it feels like it's almost like it's cascading at this point. Well, if politics is downstream of culture, what happens when people get stuck in the middle? Well, the law has to regulate. The law has to create the flow. I got some stories here where this this has literally happened. So here's one before we get to the next break. Maryland Catholic Hospital, Maryland Catholic Hospital. Remember, you have a right to freedom of religion in this country. Maryland Catholic Hospital is liable for refusing a transgender hysterectomy. What? Yes. National Review has a story that came out yesterday. It says two principals, that's you know, two of the head people, at a Catholic health care, of Catholic health hang on, back up. Two principals, actual tenets, of Catholic health care ethics forbid removing healthy organs and sterilizing a patient absent a necessity caused by a pathology such as cancer. These principles are increasingly in conflict with the transgender movement that has the ACLU and others suing when Catholic hospitals refuse transgender surgeries on religious grounds. So you have a right to freedom of religion, the accommodation of your beliefs. Faith is one of the underpinnings of our society, the freedom of religion. And yet, when the wokeism gets involved, then what happens? It says, now a district judge has awarded a summary judgment against a Maryland Catholic hospital for refusing to remove the healthy uterus of a patient who identifies as male. So what you got here is a, a chick who identified as a guy. So a chick identifies as a dude. She goes to the hospital to have an elective surgery to have her uterus take out so she can be more dudish. Is that a word? Um, Boomer's rolling his head. I, I don't know. Boomer, did I make up a word? Dudish? Dudish. You like dudish? Yeah, I like dudish. Can we use dudish? Sure. I mean... I just did. Yeah, we did. So. <laughs> We're not going to – you don't have to hit the red button on that one. We'll leave okay. that one in place. All right. <laughs> we'll leave that one. Uh, all right. Yeah, good. Um, what did you say? Dodish? Yeah. Okay, there it is. But the contractual terms of the purchase of the hospital, which was built and, and operated for years under Catholic doctrines, clearly state that the national Catholic bioethics still have to apply, even though – even though – it turns out the hospital is now actually owned by the state of Maryland. Oh, see, now the, so the state passed laws, but they bought a hospital. But they bought a hospital with a contractual obligation to continue to follow Catholic bioethics. And the Catholic bioethics say gender transitioning of any kind is intrinsically disordered because it cannot conform to the true good of the human person. And gender transitioning should never be performed, encouraged, or positively affirmed as a good in a Catholic healthcare, this includes surgeries, the administration of cross-sex hormones or puberty blockers, and social or behavioral modifications. So the hospital was contractually bound, but it conflicts with Maryland law. So the courts got involved. The courts ruled in favor of the law and not the religious accommodation of the hospital. Never mind that the patient's organs were healthy. Never mind that it was the patient's subjective desires based upon gender dysphoria, never mind that the Catholic uh, tenets upon which the hospital was contractually obligated to continue to operate, you've got literally culture, politics, and the law all clashing right here, and I guarantee you this is one for their Supreme Court. 
Uh, was this a federal case? I got to look back here. Uh, it just says a district judge. Does say a district, a federal district judge or a state district judge? But I'm assuming that's a federal district judge. Folks, I'm telling you, it gets deep. Look at the level of conflict we're seeing when, when, we, when you have wokeism happening and wokeism gets the legislature to do something. And then wokeism then violates what we already knew to be the law, which is the Constitution. And the hospital's sitting there going, what the heck? How do we even operate this environment? Well, more to come. But yeah, law and culture. Sometimes there's a clash. Boomer, take me to a break, brother. We'll do that right now. We'll come right back. I'm going to continue this theme. I got a couple more. Attorney General Steve Marshall speaking up about abortion pills. And then transgender sports. Where does it end, man? Where does it end? All right, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. You guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. Yeah, saving the world one sound bite at a time. John from Huntsville, by the way, says, "Hey, Boomer, Dudish comes on right after the show. Wokish." I don't. I don't, I don't is that a, okay? Oh, all dude-ish. right, Dudish. Dudish. Yeah, chicks trying to be Dudish. <laughs> um, Paul from Athens, did you know that Biden is an acronym? No, wait, I never, I'm not going to read the acronym. <laughs> I will. He says Biden, B-I-D-E-N, biggest idiot Democrats ever nominated. Wow, that's Whoa. rough. That's rough, man. That's rough, Paul. That's rough. Uh, Dylan from Athens texted in, um, why are trans people seeking out Catholic hospitals for these procedures anyway? Knowing it begins, that's a great point. He, he brings up a point. I don't know what, you know, facilities were within a reasonable distance to this uh, individual who wanted to have their uterus taken out electively. Um, but uh, I, I, have to, I have to echo the sentiment here from the question we just got from uh, Dylan from Athens. It's just like the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the gay marriage cake baker case. Was there no other cake maker anywhere? Did you have to have that cake maker is it necessary for you to have that photographer for your wedding? Have you ever considered maybe, I don't know, going down the road and getting another cake? Or for that matter, going to a place where they don't mind taking out your healthy uterus because you think you're a dude? Um, it's a great question. Hey, uh, the next one I've got here, a classic example. I talked about this briefly earlier in the week. Attorney General Steve Marshall right here in Alabama, a story on 1819 News dated uh, two days ago. Um, he came out pretty strong. So, you know, we have a state law in Alabama against abortion. We even embed it in our Constitution. We have a Supreme Court ruling now in the Dobbs case that says states can indeed make and enforce those laws uh, at the state level as to abortion. There's no constitutional right to an abortion. So what does the Biden administration do? It makes an executive decision 
to say, well, we're going to go ahead and just make sure that we're able to uh, mm, mail abortion pills to the states, except that conflicts with our state's laws. So now what? Now you've got somebody who may say, well, I heard it was okay because the president said so. Well, the laws of your state say no. And, oh, by the way, the Attorney General Steve Marshall came out, issued a statement on Tuesday of this week in response to the U.S. Department of Justice's opinion that suggests that postal service carriers could, in fact, deliver abortion pills in the state where abortion is illegal, calling the guidance illegal and dangerous. And Marshall's comments were, promoting the remote prescription and administration of abortion pills endangers women and unborn children, and elective abortion, including abortion pills, is illegal in Alabama. So what they're saying there is, if you go online, order your abortion pills from another state, and they mail it to you, you're putting your mailman in the position of technically having to break state laws to do his job to bring you things you order from a state that didn't have the same laws. Politics is downstream of culture, but sometimes culture and politics create these clashes, and that's where the legalities have to step in and sort it all out. Then the last one I got, and we'll move on when we get back from this break, um, the transgender athlete thing. Where is this going to end? I mean, yeah. So the NCAA has taken a stand. Well, just the other day, January 12th, that'd be yesterday, AP reports in San Antonio, former Kentucky swimmer Riley Gaines and two a dozen other uh, former college athletes uh, demonstrated outside of the uh, NCAA's convention. Gaines had to compete against uh, Penn's Leah Thomas, who became the first transgender to win a national title. She also placed fifth in the 200 freestyle, tying with Gaines. Um, well, they're basically saying, stop the madness. Well, it conflicts with Title IX of federal law. Why are we allowing this? To, and states are passing anti-transgender sports. NCAA is doing its own thing. Meanwhile, you've got Title IX already in federal law, and people are stuck in the middle going, come on, y'all. What the heck? Well, get dudes out of ladies sports in the first place all right folks phil williams right side radio we're going to switch gears when we get back i'm going to the third part of the triple dipper how you like me now remote control we'll be right back side ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right Listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams. Live in the Right Side Studios, man. We got the local, the 
state, the national, sometimes the international, all the issues covering down, like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, um, it is 4.06 p.m. It is the third hour of the show today on Friday. Hit that, hit that boom, boomer. We just needed, yeah, with the applause, too. The applause. Yes! Friday! All right, congratulations on making it Friday. It's getting close to go-home time. Hey, before you jump in the car, let me just suggest something to you. Just Love Coffee Cafe. So, listen, Saturday mornings, you know, you get up, you're thinking, what am I doing for breakfast? Because I, I could have a bowl of cereal or some toast, you know, or I could maybe boil an egg. Wow, no. How about this? Don't mess up the kitchen. Just... You know, wearing your flannel pants if you want to, just head on down to Just Love Coffee. Two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. Just Love Coffee Cafe. Do they have great coffee? Amazing coffee. Award-winning coffee. Dry roast, they can grind the beans for you fresh, make a steaming cup of black coffee, light roast, medium roast, dark roast. But then they also have what my sweet Charlene says are the treat coffees, the cappuccinos, the lattes, the espressos. They've got all of them. And then they got the food. Get your waffles, get your omelets, your womlet. This is an omelet cooked with everything in the world in it, including tater tots, and they cook it in a waffle iron, no less, the womlet. I mean, they've got an amazing array of breakfast dishes you won't get anywhere else, and what a great Saturday morning. And they just sit there and enjoy the Wi-Fi, read a book, talk to a friend, you know, or just get it to go even. So, yeah, Just Love Coffee Cafe, two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. And do me a favor, when you're checking out, tell them you heard about that on Right Side Radio. All right, uh, we're going to jump over, but what? Real quick, before we jump, I know I'm the one that gets you off topic a lot, but this this deserves <laughs> it. What? It, it, okay, remember how we were talking about noodling yesterday? Noodling! Yes. Uh, so, okay, yes. <laughs> okay, so guess what I found. What? There is a noodling tournament. Stop it. Yes. Oki noodling tournament in Chickasaw count, uh, country. So Talk. that's that's in Oklahoma. So it's south of Oklahoma City. The 23rd. 23rd. 23rd? 23rd annual Oki noodling tournament and festival. So let me get this straight. There for 23 years, rednecks have been canvassing upon this little community in Oklahoma wading out into the muddy waters, sticking their hands under a log, and wrestling out the catfish to win a prize. Oh, yes. And guess what? There's different <laughs> categories you can join. I mean, they have different categories. So you got the uh, including the big fish category. Okay. Then there's the top female. Obviously, if you're thinking you're dudeish, you're not. you cannot join that. Um, and then, <laughs> then you have the under 18. So under eighteen, man, I'm sending packs. He may go. So, so your little man's <laughs> got to go. Listen, I got, I got. I'm still, I'm still put. I don't know if anybody in our audience ever goes noodling, but I'm just saying that is just like to me one of the creepiest things I have ever heard of somebody doing to spend their time. Oh my gosh, is that a picture you're looking at right there? I, this ginormous fish. I was just scrolling down because it's it so is so big. The guy's holding it up on his shoulders. I mean, is oh, just wait. I did, man. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I just found another article about the biggest fish <laughs> caught noodling. Oh, is that? Oh my gosh, <laughs> folks. I mean, I realize you're just hearing my reactions, but Boomer's pulled his stuff up on his computer, and I'm going, holy crap! That guy noodled that thing is as big as him. Yes. And so it said, on a recent noodling adventure, um, this guy caught a 106-pound flathead catfish what? by hand. 
Oh, what? The current noodling world record. Does for he a still have a hand? Eighty-seven pounds. I don't. I mean, I don't see his hands. They're in the fish, but I assume that he still has it. I mean, that this, that man no. right there just took that fish. I don't manhandled it. I just. I just. <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to go ahead and say this is like. On the one hand, admirable, and on the other, absolutely the most crazy thing I have ever heard of. Like, I, I question the, ins- the insanity, the insanity of somebody who's going <laughs> to wade out into the mud and dip themselves down underneath a log <laughs> and grab something by the... No, I take it back. What they really do is they stick their hand in there to see... I've heard they stick their hand in there to see if something grabs it. Right. And, and so the catfish are in there, literally, they kind of back themselves into a hole and they, and they eat what comes by. So is the, is there a is there like a tactic to this? Yeah, it's called don't die. <laughs> <laughs> That's the tactic. The tactic is don't die. Well, I, I really think you should probably do a remote at this tournament. It's in, <laughs> it's in June, June sixteenth, Saturday and or uh, Friday and Saturday, June seventh. I think you should do remotes there and then like interview these noodlers. So we're doing right side radio from the noodling tournament. From the noodling tournament, and I'm going to interview a bunch of crazy people. But man, and you know I what's going to happen? They're going to dare me to get out in the water, and then I'm going to feel trapped. Yes, and that will be I'm even not doing more it. priceless. I'm not doing it. I have jumped out of. <laughs> Many a perfectly good airplane. <laughs> not not just, noodling. Just, just praying that my the, the rigger had had a good day when he packed my chute. And <laughs> and I have I have jumped off of cliffs before. I have rappelled down the side of mountains. I have gone to war twice. I am not noodling <laughs> for nobody. I would like to know if there's anybody that's been noodling that's listening. I would like to know if, if they if they and, text and have in, a picture of it. I would I would like to know this text or call. I want to know. I don't know. I want I I, I want I want. Okay, I want firsthand. Firsthand I want somebody, experience. I don't want them to say, "Well, I knew a guy." I want them to. I want them to call in and say, "I went noodling, and and I and I stuck my hand under a log, and here's what it felt like <laughs> when that thing grabbed my hand." And I still have a hand. That's and here's I, my wooden hand. And, and who was it that texted in? I think it was uh, was it JT or or something. JT texted in and said the first noodler ever was a uh, was they called him Two Finger Joe or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so so no lie. I mean now that we're on this rant, I I, I just had a memory. So um, I was at a uh, the Gadsden Times, uh, the, which is really downscaled over the years. But I was at the Gadsden Times back when it was a big viable going paper, a daily print, and. Um, and I'm standing there. I think I was working on getting my subscription renewed or whatever. And I'm I'm standing there, and this this good old boy comes running in. I mean, he's like this little scrawny kind of wiry looking, and he's 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 got like knee high rubber boots on and an old raggedy jeans and a t-shirt and a hat. And he comes running in, goes, "Hey, someone's got to get him a camera. Get out here and get a picture of this." And he comes run back out the door. It was like Ernest T. Bass had just run in the door. I kid you not, Ernest T. Bass. It's me, it's me, it's Ernest T. Anyway, we didn't know what to do. So we, the lady at the counter stared at me and I stared at her and we had to go outside and she brought a camera. And old boy was up in the bed of his truck and there was like a 50 gallon trash can boomer in the back of this truck, right? And he goes, yeah. y'all ready? Watch this. That's my favorite. Y'all ready? <laughs> no lie. Nothing good can happen when a redneck starts you, off with, y'all ready? Watch this. Or you just want to pull out your camera, one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> and he reaches down, and you can tell he's fighting something. Like, like It's like, I'm afraid he's going to get dragged into the can. I don't know what he has in there. And he goes, y'all ready? Get ready. <laughs> and he lifts up. that It was a 67-pound catfish. He pulls what? that thing out of this trash can. 
and and it holds it up to his neck. He goes, "Quick, get the picture!" Because <laughs> I mean, it weighs half as much as him. He's a little scrawny guy. Wow, and just wiry. You know, he's a kind. Of, he's a little wiry dude. But um, <laughs> and the lady got a picture, and he goes, "I." And he threw it back in the bucket and or the, the the trash can and got down and drove away. And drove away. He just wanted y'all to take the picture. He just wanted a picture taken. Somebody, Man. somebody, somebody, make him famous. <laughs> wow, noodling. Okay, noodling. we got a call on the line. Yeah, we got a call. I'm I'm taking this call because is this? Oh, okay. Brian from Huntsville. Brian, how you doing, bud? Uh, doing well and everything, and I'm doing well. than some other people have gone noodling because I had a, I've got a friendly acquaintance who lost um, the tip of his uh, pinky. Whoa. Uh, doing, doing noodling because, you know what, there's not just a catfish, you've got alligator snapping turtles. Oh. They don't want to bite you, but if you get in the wrong area and there's a small one in those areas, well, yeah, yeah. You, can lo- you can lose something. You can lose something. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm noodling with body armor on. I mean, that's, so, so he's lost the tip of a finger. Yeah, and and he tried to convince me to go with him, and I, at one time, and I said, like I said, friendly acquaintance, not a close friend. But, uh, <laughs> I'm not get his name out. So, so he actually did, did. He go noodling more after that. I mean, he still kept on doing it. Uh, no. Wow. So, to, to his credit, no. He just had a couple of stitches on the end of that finger. Wow. Carried on. No Man. kidding. That's just that's just messed up. All right. Thanks, Brian. You get, you get different things huh? out there. You never know. Water moccasin. Who knows? I'm saying. I mean, plus, I'll just be honest with you. The idea of the catfish is I don't like it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Rita from Scottsboro just texted in. She says, I've been noodling at nothing but noodles. <laughs> okay. Uh, gotcha. John from Huntsville, catching a catfish by hand is nothing. I catch gators by hand all the time. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Joe from Owens Crossroads, rule number one of combat and noodling, don't die. <laughs> That's, you're exactly right. Um, he says, I love spearfishing, but I would not go noodling. I'm with you. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, JT from Lacey Springs says, James Adair witnessed Native Americans in 1775 noodling. JT, if you've got an article somewhere that tells me that, I want to know. I, I, Noodling back in 1775 by Native <laughs> Americans. Um, okay. Anyway, listen. Uh, remember, we burned an entire segment. We did. I see. Uh, I noodling, just had to bring it up again because I found that article. So I mean, hey, a, why not? <laughs> a noodling tournament. Noodling tournament in Oklahoma. Oklahoma, where the winds blow. <laughs> okay, that's all right. Take me to a break. We'll do it. We'll come right back. We'll move on. Triple Dipper number three. Remote control. How do you feel about the movement to remote work? I got mixed feelings. Hmm. I want to hear from y'all, too. That'd be great. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, just plain right. Making it just so cool to be a conservative. Um, 
Hey, listen, before I go too much further, I got to tell you guys, my friends at Riley and Jackson Law Firm, and, and I say that with all legitimacy, these are my friends. I was talking to them the other day, chit-chatting about a variety of things, not even the law. We were just, just catching up. But um, yeah, they they are a, an amazing firm. They've been free, they've got decades of experience at making people whole because of the negligence of others. And they they're based in Birmingham, but they work statewide. And they've got a couple of things they're working on that they've asked me to make sure y'all know all about. Camp Lejeune water contamination. You've seen all the ads. Well, Camp Lejeune water contamination is legit. It's a real thing. There's been like 19 different illnesses attributed to a confirmed water contamination. If you were there as a military member or a dependent or as a uh, contractor, it doesn't matter, between the years 1953 and 1987, you might be eligible for a claim. And they can tell you what they think and assess your case with you over the phone. But there's another one they're working on. If, if, if you were a firefighter or if you're in the military using firefighting foam, and you may well have been exposed then to a carcinogenic version of firefighting foam. Well, they're working on this case right now, too. So if you fall in that category, you might want to talk to Riley and Jackson. So Riley and Jackson, based in Birmingham, working statewide, they're not only good on the law, they're the kind that are good on politics, too, if you know what I'm saying. Here's their phone number. I'm going to give it to you. You ready? Riley and Jackson, 205-879-5000. That's Riley and Jackson, 205-879-5000. They won't get paid unless they get you paid. That's the way it works. And here's that thing I got to do. <gasps> no representation made the quality of legal services before it's quality of legal services before the other lawyers. Did that wow. sound that sound like English? Kind of until the very end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, hey, sorry. remember when uh, JT brought up about the 1775 noodling thing? I did find yeah. that. And really? he actually sent a name to look up, so I looked it up, and the name was James Adair. Yeah. And it says, one of the earliest accounts of noodling was written in 1775 by a trader historian, James Adair, who described Indians grabbing for catfish. Wow. Yeah. Did they, did they call it noodling? Uh, let's see. I didn't read the entire thing. Noodling is... Um, Why do they call it noodling, by the way? Ooh, that's another thing I probably should look up. I don't know, but... Because you're out of your noodle if you do it, that's why. Yeah, and then a couple other people wrote in about noodling, of course, because that's a fun topic. And and one of them was Jimmy from Moulton, and he says, check out Hannah Barron. And she's like a 15-year-old girl who's famous for noodling. Oh my gosh, is that her in the picture? <laughs> that's her in the picture, and she has a giant catfish on it's her. It's as big as her. She's like so tiny, and the fish is ginormous. That's crazy. I mean, she's sitting there and toting that thing over her shoulders like a, you know, a, a bag of wet cement, and it's just, it's huge. <laughs> I know. How does she haul that thing? How does it not haul her under the log? I, I, I don't know. There, someone else said they watched a documentary about noodling, yeah. and they, oh, who was it? Uh, John from Huntsville, and they said the biggest danger they faced was, um, well, they said it on the show was poisonous snakes. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks. My point exactly. <laughs> so the catfish is bigger than you. It's going to thrash around in the water. It's going to, you know, it's, you know, it's going to engulf your hand when you grab it. Point number one. Yeah. Point number two, the water in which catfish inhabit is oftentimes snake infested too. That's Poisonous point snakes. number two. There yep. you go. Point number three, snapping turtles can take off the end of your finger. We know that to be a fact. Point number four there are such things as like alligator gar and that kind of stuff. <laughs> Point number five, your hand is not a lure. 
Point number five. <laughs> God never intended your hand to be a lure. That's an excellent point. Point number six. This is madness. How bad do you really need that catfish? I don't know. Is it just, I, maybe it's just for fun. I don't know. If it was for survival, I could see it. Yeah. This ain't fun. All right. You can, you can move on. Dipper right. three before we get I don't in trouble know that for I not can. doing I'm, <laughs> I'm engulfed by noodling right now. <laughs> I just, wow. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Boomer. I, I will go. I will start uh, dipper number three. I'll, I'll lead in knowing that we're about to go to break no matter what. But um, how do you feel about remote work? Uh, I have mixed feelings. I mean, I mean, I think it's great that people are able to remote work. I mean, my wife did it for years. Yeah. Um, and honestly, that was one thing that, I mean, kind of helped us, especially when we had, um, had you know, the kids, the kids yeah. and during, you know, the pandemic and stuff like that, where they were home and if I had to go to work, they couldn't go anywhere. So, I mean, that helped us, but I don't know. I, I see it in two different, two different ways. I don't, for the people that just want to work at home because they want to work at home, they're I don't want to get a job unless I can work from home. Uh, yeah, that that kind of gets under my skin a little bit. But I mean, more power to you. If I want to work, work in home. my in my in my flannel, like that. stretchy pants, and my you know loose fitting t shirt. I don't want to have to actually shave. <laughs> uh, and I get it. I mean that that'd be nice. So I don't know. I. I think for the people that do get to work from home and they have that opportunity, awesome. But I don't think you should complain if your yeah. business asks you to come back to work. I, I was so okay. I'm, I'm there, and and, and I, like I've got family members. My my brother uh, has had uh, a, a, a work from home gig for years and been very successful. Um, I see it, but then the ones who were put out because of the COVID and then didn't want to go back when COVID was over, I think it's time to get over yourself at that mm. point. Yeah. All right, we're going to talk about it. How do you all feel about remote work? It's catching on. It's like spreading. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. side ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right and we are back phil williams right side radio solid conservative just plain right covering some ground across the great state of alabama i'm talking about this show goes way down south of birmingham up north of huntsville back from tuscaloosa over to gadsden parts of georgia tennessee and mississippi all thrown in just for good measure um hey uh before i go any further let me just tell you zla solutions i was over there yesterday talking to them they've had the best year they've ever had i would like to also point out they've been advertising with the right side radio for a year 
Um, but anyway, that, uh, that being said, it's because they're so good at what they do, really. ZLA Solutions. They're a business solutions company. They can help you with things like your, you know, your quality control, your sorting and containment, your warehousing, logistics, all that. But their bread and butter, man, staffing. Their bread and butter is finding people in jobs and putting the two together. So if you personally are looking for a job, consider going to their website. They've got right now jobs posted all over North Alabama, jobs you're going to want to see, good jobs, big wages. But if you're an employer needing to fill out the ranks of your workforce, that's what they can be good at for you. I'm just telling you. They can do all the recruiting, the background checks, the drug testing if necessary, blue collar, white collar, no collar, it don't matter. ZLA Solutions. They, they like to say at ZLA, we don't make it, we just make it better. That's their mission in life, to help you make your business better. So yeah, check them out. ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA.com. And uh, please tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. All right, number three of the Triple Dipper. I'm calling it remote control. So Boomer and I were just talking before the break um, about remote work. So first of all, let me just say... I, I've worked from home before, but usually it's because I had something I needed to be undistracted with. So I took some files home to get ready for a trial or, you know, whatever. Or, you know, I, I had something that, that took up my time in the morning. And so I just stayed at the house and worked. But so it's rare for me. I, I am personally a fan of having an office to go to. I could probably actually, and I know guys that do this, I could broadcast this show from home technically. Um, but then... Me, me personally, talking boomer. I'm about to say something nice about you. Oh, I thanks. enjoy the in, co- in in company, uh, the in studio company. I mean, I, I like being here, able to see, and and you know, swivel around the chair and talk. And you know, it, to me, and maybe it's because I'm a people person also, but I value the in person style of work. And there are aspects of in person style work that I think are still so important, and they're part of what I would call work culture. And they build the team better. Um, and when you're only remote all the time, uh, you're an individual who's a part of a Zoom group once in a while. And, you know, I, I get it. It works for some people. For me, I'm a fan of in-person work. And I'm a fan of knowing where people are and did they come to work on time? And did they have the self-discipline to uh, actually look professional when they got there? And uh, are they attempting uh, to be relational with those they work with and be present when the clients walk in the door. Now, a lot of what I'm describing are things that, you know, my, my job experience, whether it be in ministry or in the military or in the practice of law or in politics, it required a presence. When you worked remotely, it was the one-off. It wasn't the day-to-day. But there are some jobs now that are becoming more and more remote on a regular basis. But what's, what's also really interesting is there's becoming a mindset. There are people who, in my opinion, have gotten spoiled. They have literally said, man, I got to sit at home. I, to, I, did, I got to roll out of bed, get coffee, and just start working. I didn't have to worry about driving, no traffic. You know, I didn't have to worry about the boss looking over my shoulder. I didn't have to worry. Well, guess what? Some of that's is called self-discipline. So I'm not super hip on the idea of we're going to go remote just because it's more comfortable for me. Now, I've got an article here from Entrepreneur Magazine, and it says that Elon Musk um, had been a, you know, kind of a downer when it came to um, work from home. He was not for it. 
He, he, but then recently he had to recant. This article came out three days, four days ago. And he's having to recant somewhat because he's recognizing that in terms of cutting costs, he's got to do something. And so he's closing the Seattle offices and instructing all the employees at the Seattle offices of Twitter to go ahead and work remotely. Just the opposite of what he had said months ago. Um, he's always been an skeptic of remote work, this article says, acknowledging though now its cost-cutting benefits can also help in terms of running the overall you know, good of the company. Okay. Um, this is a, by the way, this article is designed to support the idea of work from home. I've got some others that follow up with an entirely different perspective here in a minute. So working from home, evidence shows, says this article from Entrepreneur Magazine, that remote work is more productive than in-office work. I don't know that I agree with that. I think it depends on the person again. I think it depends on the job environment. I think it depends on the supervision. But it says remote work can be more productive than in-office work, which makes facilitating remote work especially important when you're cutting costs. A study from Stanford University, it says, reported that remote workers were 5% more productive than in-office workers in the summer of 2020. Well, the summer of 2020, we're in the pandemic lockdown. Nobody was going anywhere. So they just sat down at their desks or their kitchen tables or whatever at home, and they just did what they could there. Um, but I know a guy that was actually fired because he was at home using his government laptop. And at the time when he was supposed to be logged in, his government minders could tell, his boss actually, could tell that he was streaming movies. And he lost his job. You, you got to be careful because unless you have the personal self-discipline to be a diligent worker for the job that you have signed on to do, working from home is a recipe for potential disaster. It does say on here, though, um, a recent National Bureau of Economic Research study found that productivity growth in industries with a high reliance on remote work, such as IT or finance, grew from 1.1% to 3.3% since the pandemic started. Okay. All right. Well, then skip forward just a few days. <laughs> It's not like that was three years ago. That was four days ago. Now, yesterday, excuse me, today, today, an article on the Washington Examiner. Biden faces new pressure to bring federal workers back to the office. Do you know what the largest remote work uh, employer is, Boomer? No, what's that? That'd be the U.S. government. Oh, wow. The U.S. government, to include certain aspects of the U.S. Army, believe it or not, the DOD, still has people working from home under so-called pandemic conditions. Wow. All right. Uh, as part of a flurry of first-week activities, says this article from the Washington Examiner, prominent representative James Comer of Kentucky and four other co-sponsors are now pressuring the Biden administration over federal employees continuing to work remotely. Like, the question is, why? Why are they working remotely? And they say that uh, remote work in government offices has resulted in difficulty getting constituents' problems handled for things like the VA, Social Security, IRS. They can't find somebody to answer the phones. And when they're working from home, it's not near as reliable. And they'll say, well, I'm going to have to get back to you because I don't have access to those files right now. And it's just so I get it. They say President Biden's unnecessary expansion of telework has crippled the ability of departments and agencies to fulfill their responsibilities and created cumbersome backlogs. And the federal government exists to serve the American people. And these substantial delays for basic services are unacceptable. So the act, if it was passed, which it's going to have trouble getting through the Senate, the act, if it was passed, 
would put the federal workforce back to the office within 30 days. Amazing. But it says here, before 2020, only 3% of federal employees did telework, a number that swelled to 59% later that year because of the pandemic, a figure which is still now 46%, even though we are several years removed from that date. Mm. So 3% of the government employees used to do work remotely. Now 46%, almost half, are working remotely. Wow. Wow is right. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, I could I could skip through some stuff here, but I got to tell you, I think one of the issues is the question of whether or not your employees really are working. And it's a management issue. I get it. But to some degree, there's only so much a manager who can't see your face is going to be able to actually manage. I got another article here from Entrepreneur Magazine. It's a snarky little article, to be honest. A snarky little article by a snarky little 32-year-old dude who was, here's the headline, you ready? I worked from Vegas without telling my boss. It was perfect until I had a surprise Zoom call in a casino. <laughs> he, he Basically, this is, it's like an expose of how to trick your boss is what this, this little, little article is about. And it goes on to say, working remotely from home, you just got to do things like, you know, keep the green light on your, on your Zoom so you can show that you're available and your boss will look at that. And then, you know, things like, I'll go work at coffee shops, but then I have to feel like I have to explain myself why I'm at a coffee shop. Well, yeah. Why are you at a coffee shop? Are you getting your work done? I haven't seen your reports yet. Where's your, where's your data? Um, now, if you're getting it all in, guess what? The boss is going to be less likely to ask. But if you're this guy who's bragging about the fact that you took, to, you took off to Vegas and you went to a casino during work hours and then didn't expect to have a Zoom call and suddenly you got the surprise notification on your phone and you had to mask the background, you know how they do that? They mask the background on a Zoom call and put the filters in place so they can't hear the background noise and you're playing the slots while you're on your boss's time. Which I guess the point here is it is not your time. And I think that's part of the problem, Boomer. I think, I think it just came to me as I'm talking now. I think that's part of the problem is there is a cultural shift away from recognizing your paycheck is not your time. Your paycheck is what you gave to their time. Yeah. When you work for somebody else, you work for somebody else to earn the right to be paid. And the idea that you have a right to do whatever you want to do with your time and still get paid is a dangerous concept for any culture to have. Mm. Um, so, yeah, including little punk here who went to uh, <laughs> Vegas, and, Vegas. A, and then was surprised. He was surprised he had to have a Zoom call. How about this? How many times has your boss ever just walked in your office and said, hey, I got a thing I need you to talk about? Oh, yeah. It's what's life. Life. It happened today. <laughs> what are you trying to say <laughs> no but it goes to the point what you were just talking about just a few minutes ago it to the really is the individual i mean if if you your work ethic is good and you don't go to vegas then yeah you work then you get your stuff done hey more power to you and if you want to go to vegas ask for time off like any other person who has to work exactly well I got a story here when we get back from this. You ever heard of Bossware? 
Bossware. No, sir. It's a whole new shift into the uh, IT world. Bossware. It allows bosses to sort of creep on you while you're working remotely to see if you're really working. Oh. I got a story here about a lady who had to pay her salary back because she hadn't no been working. No way. No kidding. <laughs> All right. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, making it so cool to be a conservative. Um, hey, what was that uh, text you had a minute ago, uh, Boomer? You, you said there's uh, somebody texted in about uh, yeah, uh, uh, okay, yeah. Scott from Huntsville texted in and yeah. he said my workplace kept the same metrics: weekly activity reports and accountability accountability methods um, as they did when they were in the office. They found out that good employees got better. And bad employees stayed the same. Huh. Okay. Hmm. Well, yeah. worthwhile. I think I would I would bet too that good employees they want to make sure that, that somebody knows they really are working. So right. they're, they're they're maybe doubling down a little bit. I could see that. I could see that being a thing. Um, and by the way, don't take this as a, a completely dissing on remote work. Like I said, I know some great people who have had my brother being one who's had a career that uh, has had him uh, working largely from, from home, from a home office, and done quite well at it. Not because he's, like, self-employed, but because he's working on, you know, uh, uh, IT contracts and things like that and managing people from afar. Hmm. Uh, so, um, anyway. But I got a story here. So there's a new trend, apparently, and they call it bossware. Bossware. Like B-O-S-S-W-A-R-E, bossware. Bossware. For your computer? Uh, yes. And so in this particular story I've got here, there's a software called Time Camp. Uh, it's all one word, Time Camp. Uh, that, well, let me just read this. Entrepreneur Magazine, again, that's three in a row. Entrepreneur Magazine, employee must pay back her company after computing bossware catches her slacking off. Mm. This is in Canada, by the way. So the Canadian court has ordered a female employee to repay her employer after her laptop software revealed she was wasting time on the company's dime. Key point, the company's dime. Says Carly Bess, who worked remotely as an accountant for a CPA firm in British Columbia, was accused of time theft and must pay $2,459.89 in returned wages. Bess had initially sued her company herself for. So basically, what happened is they let her go and they were going to let the situation go, but she decided to, well, I'll show them, I'll sue. So she filed suit for wrongful termination, asking for $5,000 in compensation. But in court, her employer revealed that they have been tracking their employees' actions using TimeCamp, which collects information on how workers spend their time. It says, uh, this is pretty interesting, really. It says, though the software, through the software, the company proved that Bess had spent more than 50 hours on non-work-related tasks, um, identifying irregularities between her timesheets and the software usage logs. In other words, she recorded that I did this thing. But TimeCamp could tell what software she was in, and she had not done that thing. Mm. 
So um, how could she have claimed it? And then the other thing was, well, she argued that the reason why she wasn't in the software is because she had printed out the documents so she could work on them you know, by, by hand. And they pointed out that it monitors her printing activity, and she didn't do any printing. <laughs> wow. Um, it goes on, the article goes on to say, a survey by digital.com found that 60% of companies with remote employees use some form of monitoring software to track their employees' activities and product. I know, I know somebody who literally has to um, clock into their computer to show that they're on the job. Mm. Um, uh, and then, of course, there's this kind of thing that sees what you're doing while you're on the computer. And then there's, you know, going even further, there's, you know, basically um, sometimes there's computer bossware type stuff that they don't even tell you is there. You find out later. And, uh, but it's one of the hazards of working from home. So what's, what's the privacy perspective? It's your home, but you agreed to work from home and you get paid for it, so you're being compensated to do something, so therefore you have to do it. And does your boss have a right then? Well, uh, as you might figure, the labor unions are getting involved. Mm. Yeah, same, same article. Many workers and labor unions believe software such as this is nothing more than corporate spying. Is it really, though? I mean, if... if Just making sure your employees do their job. Right, I, I would think. I mean, if 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 like you and I, Boomer, we were working in you know some cubicle farm at a at a big company, right? Yeah, the boss could walk by, glance over while he's drinking his coffee. He's see playing what, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, what's that guy doing? I don't know. Battlestar. <laughs> that's a that's a movie <laughs> or a TV show. Galaga. It was Galaga. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or just at the very least, solitaire. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the boss can walk by and see what you're doing, or the boss can walk by and say, hey, what you're working on? Or the boss can work by, walk by and see you're not at your desk. What's, what's, so is it wrong then for it to happen while you say you're working from home and they've got software that tells them whether you really are? I don't know. I think it's a social, cultural phenomenon that we're in right now. Hmm. I say this. If your job had you working remotely before COVID, Cool. Your boss has already got you going and you know what to do. If your job didn't have you working from home before COVID, get the, f- get the heck back to the office. Get your raggedy self out of your pajamas. Shave your face. Wash your underarms. <laughs> and go to the office and get some work done like real people. There. I'm, I'm done with that topic. How you like me now? <laughs> I just made half our audience mad. <laughs> oh man alright Booms we got a uh, that was a good week that was a good week alright folks listen Boomer and I back here on Monday at 2 o'clock you guys have an amazing weekend we love this audience we could not do this without you Right Side Radio solid conservative and just plain right we'll see you Monday Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.